Welcome to the Forever Classic Podcast, the podcast seeking enlightenment through video games, film, and other geek culture. I'm Zach, and with me today is Joe, as always. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing all right. Today's a good day. Yeah? I'm feeling nice. I've got coffee, I've got water. Me and Toast made cinnamon buns this morning, first thing, so I've just had some choice cinnamon buns. And if I remember correctly, you had mentioned, you had asked if we were getting some snow, too, so I, I take it you got some snow? Uh, I have over the last, in between recordings, we had a really bad snowstorm okay. that like trounced us. Is it uh, gone already though? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the first one's gone. We got a second one that wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be bad, then looked bad and then turned into like icy rain. Oh yeah. That's so the bad. like six inches of snow we got immediately turned into like three inches of ice. ice. Yeah. Yeah. So the roads were fine, but I still have like ice blocks of perma ice everywhere. Gotcha. Here in Minnesota is a very different story because the snow doesn't ever leave. It's just here. But we got about maybe two to three inches last night and I just drove home after playing board games with a friend. But it wasn't wasn't too bad, actually. I uh, A lifetime of driving in it. So it's just take it easy, take it slow. The highways were already pretty much clear and there was enough traffic that none of the snow ever like stayed. <laughs> so there was just like clear paths on the highway uh, where the cars kept driving and blowing the snow off of the road. But yeah, a nice warm toasty cinnamon roll would have been really delicious this morning after after that. We got a little bit of rain here yesterday, day before, and what made me laugh really hard is because uh, North Carolina got hit with a bunch of snow, out like mostly like coastal, which is really funny because I was just seeing like inches of snow in Virginia Beach and nothing here, which was fantastic to me. So you're sitting back and it's that that Simpsons Simpsons meme, <laughs> yes, <laughs> pointing exactly. and laughing. Yep. No, then I got home and sat down with our uh, good friend and fellow host uh, Alex, uh, who's our our roommate. For those of you that didn't know, and uh, watched a strange animated movie called The House on Netflix. It's all stop motion animation, and the art direction is like it's different for e- it's so it's an anthology. So it's three different stories all surrounding a mysterious house. And like, but the first one specifically, everything is like some sort of fabric or felt, but the, the characters are like these felted characters with these like stop motion armatures inside of them. And it uses the stop, the aspects of stop motion to full effect. It's very like eerie and unnatural to watch. It's like unsettling. Like, I don't really know how to process the emotions that this movie made me feel, but it was very good. And so if that sounds interesting to you, I hope I bring this strange new, like animated feature to your attention to go check it out. Cause it is absolutely worth just checking out. Even, f- even if all you end up walking away with is just watching and appreciating the amount of effort that goes into like stop motion animation. Cause it is some of the best stop motion I've seen to check it out because i haven't heard much of stop motion in a while with exception of john dillerman from norway okay i'm not familiar with that one it's a kid show about a guy with a super dick Mm. he can use it as a helicopter to save things to help like (laughs) build stuff it's really really strange he's got the old school like red and white striped suit for like swimming. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting year for stop motion, I think, because with the ha- along with the house later this year, we've got Ardman Studios coming out with like a sequel to Chicken Run, 
and hopefully we get a some sort of theatrical distribution or finally act like even blu-ray distribution of phil tippett's mad god which is just like phil tippett's like the the master the guy who like the godfather of stop motion he was the one that did like the jason and the argonauts and was originally on board to animate the dinosaurs for jurassic park but then some creative uh, uh, CG artists managed to figure out how to do it on a computer better and basically ruined his entire career. Uh, <laughs> but he's got like another an, an, like a horror anthology coming out that's been making the film festival circuit last year called Phil Tippett's Mad, Do- Mad God. And it just looks incredible. Like, I don't care what it's about. I just want to see those visuals on like a big screen because they just look incredible. I think I've shared the trailer in the discord in the past, but uh, yeah, moving on to some announcements. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So for the website, for anybody who hasn't been to the new website yet, or you have uh closer to like the mid bottom, we have our like streaming section. So we have an embed of Twitch there as well as like a manually updated like schedule so that there'll be like two or three items on the side and we've left it as tba for a while and that's honestly because i forgot to update anything on it at all uh so i updated some this morning so it includes today's and it'll include the following podcast live recording right now that we'll be doing so it's just going to have our bi-weekly stuff listed on it for now and then any other streams we plan in advance we can attach there so when you're visiting the site you don't have to like double across the twitch or like have some sort of extra calendar you can just scroll down and see it just chilling there so hopefully i can keep that up to date won't be too hard just got to do it once a week (laughs) yeah and i Um, think we've uh we've pretty much established typically recordings will be sunday afternoons every other week for the podcast so if you want to tune in and watch live and ask questions for us to answer at the end Typically about 1 p.m. Central and about what time for you? If it's 1 p.m. Central, that'd be like 2 in the afternoon for me. Okay. That's typically our time. We're changing things up today because uh, family outing for me later this afternoon. But keep in mind, Sunday afternoons, keep an eye out for that notification if you just want to uh, be a part of our, uh, our discussions. But uh, I think that pretty much wraps up things for announcements. the announcements. So what have you been playing? Still, I'm playing some Back for Blood with my little brother. Been playing Destiny 2 a bit more. I ended up buying the Beyond Light that was on sale for half off during winter sale? Okay. Question mark. Whatever, uh, the, the, whatever they called it this year. Yeah, because I played on PlayStation at first, and Toast still does, but I transitioned over to PC now that there's crossplay because it's just much easier for me. So um, I got it, and I got the new thing. I didn't get the new 30th anniversary. I've still just been enjoying weird game shows there. It is it is super great. And I just started Hades a couple days ago, which has been really fun. It's been a lot more fun now that I've got to actually get hands on with it more. So, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I hope my hyping it up was a part of your uh, convincing you to play it because that game is incredible. Last month, I from me talking about it, two people requested it for Christmas and got it as Christmas gifts. And they've been playing it. And then they'll like text me. They'll be like, I did it. I beat Hades. <laughs> and but. <laughs> They, they've they all loved it. I've still not got to fight Hades himself yet. I've been like all but there. How far have you gotten? I just, I keep getting hung up on um, Theseus and the Minotaur. I can't remember his name. Yeah, 
I sometimes have trouble remembering the game. But there's actually a fourth, there's like another section after that. And then you yeah. get to Hades. So you have like a one more like realm. It's a shorter realm though. Okay. So there's like one more like area after you beat them and then Hades. But it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit quicker than the other realms and it's a lot of fun. Gotcha. See, I, I got into it and I was like, all right, let's see how this goes was fighting. Realized the first run, I just was trying to figure out their patterns and died. Got back there after a couple more runs of getting used to each little zone. I was like, all right, well, let me try to deal with Theseus. And that was a, that was not my, my greatest plan. (laughs) And then since I've been getting back, it's just hard. Uh, just doing little missteps. So that game really does reward like your time. I feel like more so than a lot of games in the genre. You you hit a hard part, and I don't think there's really been any. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've been like, "Oh, that was cheap." The game like screwed me there. Like <laughs> there are times where it feels that way, but it's still ultimately up to me. There's always a way to overcome it right and so when you hit a hard part and overcome it it feels really good but when you get defeated while it can be frustrating you're like okay now i know for next time like i've got to have this or try to get that kind of thing and it's just about finding particularly for your first win against hades it's about finding that weapon you're most comfortable with and pushing forward with it yeah, I only unlocked the bow because it was like part of the like guiding system at the beginning. Yeah. So I've only got the sword and the bow, and I didn't want to buy anything else until I got it. Because my strategy was unlock all the other little things in the mirror with the keys first okay. while I'm learning everything. So that I can have just a little bit more of like a passive skill pool arsenal going on to help me. I yeah I I went the other direction where I was I just unlocked all the weapons as fast as possible so I would always be able to have a variety or pick something different if I wanted to I also figured that other what we- like other weapons might be my preference too like the sword it's funny that you mention that because the sword and the bow were the last two weapons I beat Hades with like I just really struggled with those weapons but everything else seemed to go pretty pretty well see I can con- I can consistently get. To Theseus and the Minotaur, with either one. So, yeah. Similar to like Nergigante like- <laughs> in in Monster Hunter World, like when you hit Nergigante, you're like, oh man, this thing is a pain in the ass. But <laughs> for Hades, it's definitely the Colosseum fight. It still is a challenge sometimes. Like if I don't have the right build, they can still like wreck me. And I've yeah. beaten, I like I've beaten the game, or at least I've gotten the first ending. Like the gotcha. like like I've rolled credits on an ending is basically what I've done and then played a little bit beyond that, but I haven't unlocked or done much else on my end. I got back into civilization six because a friend of mine was playing and wanted to play together. And it's one of those games where I'm like, why did I uninstall this? And then 40 hours later, I'm like, Oh, this is why I uninstalled it because it, <laughs> the game just eats up my time like nothing else but it was like gdq week so i just sort of sat there and watched games done quick and hung out with people like alex or my wife or my my kid while having civ 6 up because the game only moves forward at your pace right if you're playing solo so it it's like a really low energy fairly passive game that you can kind of just waste time on but if you don't give yourself time limits your time is just gone on that game (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is true. I I still have Civ Five 
and Civ 6 installed and RimWorld, which also eats time. And yeah. I've been looking at them really hard and I'm like, I want to play it, but I know I shouldn't. <laughs> but this last week, I beat Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater for the yes, first time. I know. It, so I... This is probably my fourth time or fifth time playing this game. Multiple times back when I first got my Vita, I had the HD collection and I tried it, tried playing it multiple times and couldn't get into it. I found it to be a frustrating system of like, or a, a frustrating combination of systems with like the survival and stealth and all that. I tried it multiple times on the 3DS because I think, oh, maybe the 3D will really like engage me and make it fun. No, nothing worked. I hated this game. Finally, I tried it again because I was listening to a podcast, Get Played, and uh, they just really hyped me up for it. They every, every the last couple of years they've done uh, Hideo Kojember month in the month of November, and so they just play kojima games for a month and this is one of the games that they played they really hyped it up and i'm like okay while i'm hyped i'm gonna give it a shot the key difference this time is i threw i said i don't care i I don't care what anyone thinks i threw that shit on easy and i loved it i love that game (laughs) I, i don't know if i'll ever play it again but i'm very glad that i did play it like i stopped caring if people would judge me or i stopped judging myself for playing the game on easy and just had a good time with it. And I think what helped is the last time I played through the last of us, I was like, I don't really want to struggle through anything. I just want to experience the story. Cause that's the part that I love the most about this game. I threw that on easy to get ready for the last of us part two. I loved it even more. And it's just like every now and then you just got to put a game on easy and just enjoy it. Yeah. No, I, I won't knock anybody for doing easy. <laughs> like games are hard. Some games are really hard, especially if you're going from like a whole different niche. Like if you're a first person shooter and you're just stumbling into like Metal Gear, that's a whole nother yeah. set of skills in a game that you're not going to be prepared. for. Well, just in general, too, my ADHD and personality just doesn't have the patience for stealth particularly very slow stuff. Like if you want to get through that game without being noticed at all, you have to like know that game in and out. And I'm not going to know that game in and out unless I can get through it. So the next time I, if I do play it again, maybe I'll be ready for normal because I know what to expect. So like you have to kind of like know the game and, or know the systems and it with it being my second Metal Gear Solid game, because I played two and enjoyed that and then went into three and hated it (laughs) but it's been years now you know since my last attempt at it and playing it again on the vita super fun time i think the touch controls on this on the screen in the corners to change your weapons and your equipment out you just like tap the corner and then slide your finger up to the thing that you want to equip and it's just done adds a lot of like nice little touch of like (laughs) swift you know you don't have to manage through menus or anything like that. It's just really quick and easy. Kind of reminds me of the item management in like the Wii U HD versions of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess or the 3DS versions of Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time with the touchscreen. With the equipment management, oh my gosh, it makes those games so much better. <laughs> They're just the yeah, hot middle- swap. Yeah, Metal Gear is uh, equipment management in like 3 and 4. There's just a ton of menu stuff. Like... If you're trying to do like micro things in the game, like constantly like play with the stuff or like build up, uh, because in three, I didn't know if you, I don't know if you ran into it yet, but you can, you find stuff that Snake loves to eat and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you just keep eating the stuff that he hates and he eventually loves it. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, so stuff that he doesn't fucking like. You just keep eating it, and eventually you'll just notice that he starts praising it slowly. Get so used that, to it. Yeah, so the things that don't give you much health are like psyche because he hates it, and he's just having to have it for stamina, start to actually help those things, but you have to go through the repetition of constantly doing it. So unless you're doing something like that, you don't have that much business in the menus yeah. that often. So, but the other thing is with like the cure menu on Vita, you like tap on the thing, and then you drag your finger up to the item that you want to use. So you're like, oh, I got a bullet wound. I got to put my finger down on the spot, drag my finger up to the knife to dig the bullet out, then dig, drag my finger up to the disinfectant and the, the tincture to stop the bleeding and infection, and then bandage it up and suture or whatever. And so it's like doing some really clever things with like the, the, like the touchscreen with the menuing to make it feel like you're actually performing an action. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I think, I think stuff like that helps me engage with that game. Whereas if I had been playing the the original PS2 version, I'd been like, man, what a bunch of tedious BS. Like, this is nonsense. Um, yeah, it was, it was very tedious. But moving forward over my winter sale purchase was for like $5 or whatever. I picked up Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zero's Phantom Pain package Ooh. or whatever for like five bucks. So I haven't started it yet, but it's installed on my PS4. Ready to go. I think I'm going to try to beat Death Stranding before I dig into another Metal Gear game. But uh, I I think I'm a Kojima fan. Just because his story... Like, no one else tells a story quite like he does. Part of the crew, part of the ship. (laughs) And it's just so, so wild. But aside from that, I've been putting in a bunch of time in Bravely Default 2. And I found an original Super Nintendo cart of Final Fantasy 6. Final Fantasy 3 at the time. At our local game shop, a little expensive, but I was honestly surprised it wasn't more expensive at like a, cause I, they had it listed for about a hundred and for a JRPG on the Super Nintendo, that's widely considered one of the best of its genre for a hundred bucks right now, when game prices are exceptionally inflated, I thought like if it had been much more, I probably wouldn't have gotten it, but it's the first time I've ever seen a cart in the wild, like at a shop. So I was like pretty excited to pick up. And so I've been, I turn off all the lights and I sit down in front of our little retro station CRT (laughs) that we've got here at the house, got like a bowl of life cereal. And I'm just like living the childhood I never had (laughs) because we didn't have a Super Nintendo growing up, but I always wanted one. And so it was, uh, it's just been a ton of fun. I've been really enjoying it. Oh yeah. But the reason we're here today is Zach and I are both homeowners. And we have both invested a significant amount of time and money into those homes and, you know, putting together creator spaces for ourselves. And we're going to talk about how the process of that, the joys and challenges, the pros and cons of homeownership and the impact that that has had on our gaming habits. So uh, yeah. why don't you, maybe- why don't you uh, break the ice here and let, like, what do you want to like dig into first? Prior to owning the house, like I lived in, so it was like my, my like living space, like journey has been like home, which was in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. We lived in the mountains. So when it snowed, we were above the frost line, which is on mountains. So basically when it gets cold enough to frost in that part of the year, it kind of stays frosty, cold, snowy all the time. Even when just below it, it goes back into looking like late fall, early spring without that kind of thing going on. So it was always really shitty in the winter. But we had acres of land that was really just woodland mountains. So it wasn't like fertile, amazing land. It was my dad loves to hunt. And that's that's his jam. They all wanted to live back there. 
because my granddad's parents lived back there too. Uh, not in the same spot, just along the uh, the road over the years. But anyway, tangential. We had a lot of yards, so we had to maintain like mowing. So it was like definitely 100% going to need a riding mower, going to spend hours mowing. So that's that was lots of childhood was that and like laundry on a line in addition to like laundry in a washer and dryer because we had the space and a, a clothesline. So we just multitasked, went to college, did some dormitory staying, got apartments with people uh, and then finally had rented a house, which was awesome. So I had an experience with living in a house with other people and then moved down here, got another apartment that we lived in for a few years and then we bought this house. So. The house has regained the whole, I didn't have to take care of a yard to have to take care of a yard again. And it's nowhere near as big as like my, my home yard. It, you know, there's like a half acre plot of land or whatever. Yeah. Uh, just a lot in a city. The house I rented also only had like a patch of grass and a tree in it. So there was like not really anything out there to take care of either. We'd, we'd eat the yard in like 20 minutes and it'd be great, but I still have to take care of the yard. So I have to like mow. It takes about an hour. Uh, with a push mower, it's slightly hilly. It's a, just a different challenge that I have to like create time for, even if everything else is going on in the world. I have to create that time, and I have to do it during the day. So it's a little harder to do at night, especially because there's a lot of neighbors. And I would technically do stuff at night where I grew up, but I can't do that in town. <laughs> Nobody wants me to be mowing the lawn at fucking one in the morning when I'm bored and I need something to do. <laughs> time to mow the lawn. <laughs> Police are showing up. What are you doing? I'm mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. What? What does it look are like you, I'm doing? What are you? Are you drunk, sir? <laughs> Come here. <laughs> Funnily enough, that's a fairly similar, like, prior to home ownership story to me. I grew up in a log, literally a log cabin in the middle of the woods. Forty acres of land that was mostly trees, so maybe a little less mowing than you had, but it still took like a good two and a half, three hours to do. But. uh as a result, there just was, like, I read a lot as a kid, but not too much, like, in terms of video games. Like, I have strong memories of going over to other people's houses and playing video games. Uh, and then when I was, like, 10, I got a Game Boy Color. And then from there, I, like, saved up money and would, like, I, like, bought a Nintendo 64 for, like, $40 at an outlet store after the GameCube was out. So everything, if I did have a video game, it was always, like, after the new one had come out and then parents got divorced. We moved into town and I was like a block away from school in the house in town. And since we were so close to school, me and my friends who were all like anything after school, they would just stay in town and come over to my house. So it was just like smash brothers brawl, like every day after school for like <laughs> three hours or whatever game we were playing. Cause my mom was always like, definitely made our house very welcoming and open to people coming and staying if, if they needed a place to go after school which was great during the winter because it's cold. But after that, it was uh, apartments throughout college and then apartments after college. I uh, rented one house and one trailer house, uh, which were interesting experiences. But generally speaking, your responsibilities and your risk are like much less, right? Like you might lose a deposit, but you don't lose, like if it's your house, it's like it's your house. So like the big thing getting used to here is if there's a if there's something we want to change, we can change it. The challenge is we are then responsible for making that change happen. So like this room that I'm in right now was like this dirty, disgusting, useless room tucked away in the corner of the basement. It was just the walls were like covered in something. I think they sometimes like would just stick their dogs in here. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just gross, but the room didn't even have power in it. 
or like a heating vent. It still doesn't have a heating vent, but my computer, I just fire up a video game and it starts to warm up in here pretty quickly. <laughs> but, you know, when it came time, I was able to just tear down the wall. And that felt weird because I've never been able to do that anywhere, right? So, like, that was, like, the big thing is, like, my wife and I are sitting there going, we're allowed to do this, right? We can just rip this wall down. <laughs> and so, you know, and then, like, five minutes later it was done. And we're like, oh, well, that was quick because <laughs> it didn't take very long to just rip them down, rip down the, the old wall. But, uh, back, yeah, moving from, like, a two-bedroom apartment with a kid to a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house with a main floor and a basement, we basically tripled our living space has changed our lives so much. So I don't know, did you have a similar experience in that way? So we were looking at houses that would have needed some work when we were house shopping. There was one in particular that we really wanted. It was in a great location. Like, Toast could have walked two blocks to work. We were right by the park. We'd had great access to, like, just walking out of our backyard, essentially, which was, like, a tree line, I guess, wasn't part of the property, like, part of the park's, like, outline. Then we'd have been in the park and could have just done laps. Uh, great. Like, we were like, you know, that's awesome. Could walk to bars, could walk to stores that were real close by. Like, everything would have been right there. But it had, um, we wanted it because it was huge. It was cheaper than this house, actually. But it needed basically an entire new electrical system oh that's expensive yeah because it was it actually was several kinds of electrical when we got to looking at it like i'm not an electrician but i can do electrician stuff because i've i'm just kind of like a general work carpenter that has done a lot of different things yeah and quick explanation about wiring is today's wiring is very very insulated and you can kind of run it through whatever for the most part and it's never gonna just burst into fire unless there's a fault somewhere or you have like crazy power surges old school wiring used to be like not very well insulated wire but well enough but it came off like it was usually stuck to a protrusion off the wall with a porcelain piece of pipe yeah and that was a cordon tube or wiring tube well some of the some of the wiring too was like insulated with like a paper sleeve yeah it was stupid uh, <laughs> which is which is some of the wiring in this house i'm gonna be honest <laughs> like this like paper sleeve is what keeps keeps our house from bursting into flame and i'm like hmm should maybe look into that at some point yeah but yeah so this house like however they were trying to sell it was as is so they wouldn't do anything to it anyway and uh it was like had modern electrical in like some of it. Had a weird heating system, but we didn't really care about that. We could deal with whatever. But the problem was that it was connected to the it was like modern where you could see it, but when you started like digging into like looking through weird spaces and like through basement like stuff and into the attic, you could see where it was spliced into that old system. Just kind of ran wherever. So it was like very unsafe. Yeah. So Excellent for, you know, somebody who has half a fucking million dollars and wants to sort out a house. Awesome. Not for me. Fair and enough. The, the basement had a not lead paint, but kind of that same arrow or would like kind of like start to crack and peel off the wall. You're also not allowed to buy a house under certain circumstances with that. So it has to be removed and you have to pay somebody. Yeah. To come and did you that. did you go through like a first time homeowner? Like loan yeah. or grant type thing. Okay. Yeah. Same here. And there's like tons of rules around, like, for those of you that don't know, if your first time you buy a home, there are specific loans dedicated for that type of thing that, that are easier to qualify for. 
But because they're easier to qualify for, the bank kind of has some, typically has some rules surrounding how that can get used. And so depending on the state of the house, they might reject your offer or not authorize those funds because it doesn't meet their, their qualifications. Luckily, those important rules were not violated by this house. The main concerns with this house were general disrepair and it was just gross. Like they hadn't cleaned it in like three years, it felt like. So the first month we lived here was just cleaning constantly. Like the walls were like a yellowish brown color and then you'd clean it and it was like kind of like an eggshell white or like an off-white cream (laughs) color and i'm like my goodness this is gross uh we like cleaned all the light fixtures and suddenly it was way brighter in the house and we like cleaned all the windows and like a lot more sunlight came into the house once we got it cleaned up the house looked great replaced some carpets and and I remember seeing your carpet replacement (laughs) that was a huge difference in the way your house looked yeah just we don't have like we basically have enough money to pay the mortgage and pay our bills and things like that. We don't have a ton left over, but things like my freelance income are, you know, Alex is paying rent. And then the, like when we would get the stimulus checks that the money went into improving or goes into improving our house. So like, yes, we did spend those stimulus checks, but we also spent it on like a lo- like we specifically sought out like a local carpet guy so like we're trying to intentionally invest that money back into people rather than some like like we didn't go to home depot and pay them to do our carpet we went to a local guy who does the carpet and so like try to be intentional in that way but with like the wiring in the house this room we just decided to put it on its own breaker like a high watt breaker because what we found is that the previous owners or whoever did it when they finished the basement, rather than set up a basement circuit, they just took the outlets from upstairs and dropped wire down into the basement. And so, like, all the lights upstairs flicker when the washing machine's going. And I'm like, <laughs> why are these on the same circuit? I don't understand. So that's something we're going to have to look at at some point, is getting that so it's less of a concern. With that in mind, we put this room on its own, So I don't have to worry about my computer or my stuff overloading anything in the house. It's also proper, like, we know for a fact this room is properly grounded. The rest of the house, it's kind of a gamble, coin flip, if an outlet's going to be grounded or not. And so, but it was one of those things, too, where the electrician, we got, like, it's hard to shop for things you don't have experience shopping for, right? And so the the electrician I ended up with the for, for at first was like a recommendation of a recommendation. So it was like a step or two removed from the original recommendation. And they came in and I really feel like I got overcharged and they didn't do a super good job. Uh, We didn't fully realize it until we had already started putting the drywall up. But all of the outlet boxes are not at the same height. They're all like one will be two inches higher than another one on the other side of the room. And so if you're paying attention, you'll notice that the outlets aren't all aligned properly. And it, and it, like they didn't properly run a wire through or mount it correctly. And so when we brought in a second electrician, someone that like I actually know or have met, he was pretty, he's like, yeah, you'd made the right call not bringing them in again. Because they're just like contractors, I get it don't want the the small little jobs that take up two or three hours of their day. They want the big jobs where they go and rewire a whole house for 10 grand. 
because that's a better use like dollars to time wise that's a better use of their time and i get that but i just don't understand coming into someone's house like i live here and then doing like a shoddy job at what you were hired to do either just don't do the job or do it right and that like so that's like frustrating right is trying to find like which contractors to trust but you don't know whether or not you can trust them until after you've hired them and they've come in and done the work so i i hope you haven't run into any of that but yeah that's that's why we picked the house we did so we went a little bit more on the money than we were originally going to towards mortgage uh, like it was right at our high cap pretty much, but they just, they tore this house down to the foundation okay. and basically rebuilt it up. So it was, everything was fresh. Nobody'd lived here since they did the rebuild. We didn't have to fuck with anything. We paid a little more into the mortgage as the investment to, we get to save time later. So we were like, you know, it's, it's ready to <laughs> rock. We don't have to do anything. Found out we have to do some things, but they're not like deal breaking, not like going to put us in danger. Nothing like that. The worst that we're going to have to do is, um, they did an addition to the kitchen, like foundation part that okay. they didn't do right whatsoever. Oh no. <laughs> uh, so the room's fine. It's like, it's a room. It's wired fine. It looks fine. It's got a roof. It has no insulation. Maybe the walls. So like it's, it's suddenly like, cold when you yeah, that, cross that threshold that, into that space of the house? Yeah, and I don't have like doors on. I have doors to my room, toast room, the bathroom, and the den. Uh, okay. And then, of course, the outside doors. Everything else is just doorways. So that room saps so much heat out of the house. And when it's cold, it is fucking cold. Because I don't have carpet. I have hardwood downstairs for this whole floor. And Two of the rooms the, uh, here have hard floors. The Everything else like is carpet. Laminate. Yep, same here. Which is fine. It's just it's just cold. It's really easy to clean, and that's what we wanted. And we have, me and Toast have a lot of hair between us. <laughs> so it's much easier to clean than trying to vacuum the carpet. Uh, yeah, with a with a dog, we <laughs> need like we don't always remember to do it, but we try to vacuum at least once a week, and it's still like, how do you have any fur left, dog? How do, like. You lose this much a week and you still have fur. This is this is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's just been it's just been a, a crazy journey. And in terms of like gaming, especially now that I've completed like in this room, I'm I'm far enough in it to be able to use it. Hello, kaiju lovers. I'm Nathan Marchand, the host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. And that's my intrepid producer, Jimmy from NASA, who miraculously survived the infamous war in space, but he won't tell me how. Anyway, join me and my rotating roster of guest hosts as we critically and academically examine various kaiju and tokusatsu media and have fun along the way. Assuming the mysterious Monster Island Board of Directors doesn't suddenly cancel us. I did say that out loud, and I don't care. Check out our website, MonsterIslandFilmVault.com, or find us on your favorite podcatcher. Jimmy, cue credits. Oh yeah, it's a trailer. Oops. Tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves. But what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be? Larry and Justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week, just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, 
and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, sorry, folks. I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I have this, like, space that's mine dedicated for streaming and editing and shooting YouTube videos and doing my freelance animation work. And then we also have two living room spaces. We've got one downstairs and one upstairs. The one upstairs has a giant like a huge single pane glass window that looks out to the front yard. And we, we intentionally didn't put any TVs in that room. Like we got our bookshelves up in there. We've got some plants and some like, like some couches and stuff, which is perfect for like reading or grabbing the switch and playing on the couch upstairs. But it's like one of my favorite things to do is to grab like a cup of coffee and just sit there and let the, like the sunlight come into the room or sit with some friends and chat and things like that. But it's like this room specifically designed so that a giant glowing rectangle doesn't distract people from from something, right? And then downstairs is the complete opposite. There's no window at all. It's super, like, you shut off all the lights and it is dark. And we've got a, a, a decent-sized, like, 4K TV with all the video game consoles ready to go. All of our movies and video games on shelves downstairs. And so, like... After everyone goes to bed, since it's on a different floor from all the bedrooms, I don't have to worry about keeping anyone awake. I can just play my game or watch a movie, and it's really, like, freed up some space for people to do different things. So if Sam wants to read a book, they can just stay upstairs and read a book while I watch a movie downstairs without having to worry about being too loud for their enjoyment or anything like that. And it's just, like, something we never could experience in any of the previous houses we had or any of the or like we rented or definitely apartments where even my office was in the living room so i had to work in the same room that everyone else was like watching tv in right so like that was always like a challenge as someone who was a free like self-employed contract worker typically it wasn't too big of a deal because sam and lily had work in school but for me i was just home and so it wasn't a, a huge deal, but there were times where I'd want to play a game on my computer or hang out with someone on Discord and they were watching TV or something and it just made it more difficult. Yeah, the um, we did, in the apartments and stuff, we had a lot of shared space. Here, I mean, my creator space and my bed are together. It's my bedroom. Then we have like the den, which was a slightly smaller room than this. We just have our like library shelves, lots of nerdy novelty stuff hung up everywhere and sitting on the shelves and that's where we have like the couch coffee table and all of toasts game stuff uh the big tv and little stuff so that when we do dinner and stuff we can go in there and eat and watch something on her i don't even know how big that thing is but it's huge (laughs) we got we we got a really good deal we would not have a giant tv otherwise but she got some guy at Best Buy who was just trying to get rid of some TVs. And we finally were like, nah, I think we're just going to pass. And he was like, $300. And he's like, and you can just take the TV. And we were like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> we, we can do that. So that was like half off or something or better. Dang. 
yeah, it was it was dumb. But the dude just he could not move these like six TVs that he had on the floor, and he finally was like, okay, okay. What's that? What's that? Uh, song from the eighties or whatever MTV, and he's trying to move these color TVs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's our space. So she has her own space to play in if she wants. And when she does her podcast recording and stuff with like Izzy and them, they for the nerdy ladies with opinions, she does it in there. Uh, unless I'm not here, and then she'll come in here and she'll use my setup too, which is really handy. So, so you on? each have your own own space, or just you just have the one space that you sometimes share. There's the one space we sometimes share, and then I have my space. But she has her own room. Okay. Insomnia, and I snore, so right we can't sleep together. I mean, we can, but it means I'll go to sleep, and I'll sleep like a baby, and she never will. So do you have, like, a four-bedroom house, then? I mean, technically, but the other bedroom was just, like, another room. Okay. Um, So the upstairs is just a redone attic. So they took out the attic, and they basically made it small enough I could maybe fit this much of my body in <laughs> so it's more insulated. of a crawl space closet type yeah thing. yeah it's it's an insulated peak on a house it's it's pretty common for yeah, renovations yeah. like this but it turned the attic into basically a master bedroom so it's got bed a lot of space and its own bathroom okay which is cool but it's all carpet up there i don't like that she loves it but yeah so she's got her own like personal space we've got the shared gaming space that she primarily uses because all my stuff's in here and all hooked up in one like tech desk. Yeah. And of course, once I'm tired, I can either pass out in this chair or I can go two feet and pass out in my bed. Just depends on what I feel like. Right. But that took a while to set up because, you know, we got here with no furniture. I mean, we had our futon couch that's in there. That was like it. Uh, So we'd had to disassemble it and then bring it in here and reassemble it. And everything's just been getting hold of furniture. So she had like a family has like a passed down like dining set, which is common to me, but maybe not to everybody else. I'm used to families having like a here's here's the dining set of the yeah, family. Yeah, that's that's similar. To, like my grandmother had like a nice table and chairs. And when she passed away, my dad and uncles were like, "I don't know what to do with this stuff." Joe, do you want anything? And I'm like this table's pretty nice. And they're like, all right, take it. And like, it's got like two leaves and it's got this like gear. So you unlock it and you pull on one side of it and all these gears work together. And it's like, and it like this track system (laughs) separates the table out. And then you set down the leaves and the table ends up seating like 12 people. So if we wanted to do like a massive like board game night or like Dungeons and Dragons or something, it's been great. But it also like folds way down to like four to six people. So, like, the table, like, we were able to fit it into, like, our small apartment. It was a little big, but I did not want to get rid of that table because I'm like, eventually we might have a house. And eventually we'll want this table to be big. And so upstairs next to the kitchen, we've got, like, a small table for when we have dinner and stuff. And then downstairs, we've got that table dedicated for, like, board games. And so, like, not only do we have two, like, living rooms, we have basically two, like, table situations and one's dedicated for, like, board games. And one time me and some friends were playing or like a bunch of us were playing Descent Journeys in the Dark, which is like takes up a huge table space because it's like all these modular systems of like like scenery. So you like set up and there's like actual stairs. So your characters like go upstairs to different levels and there's pillars and archways and doors and things. It takes up a lot of space on the table. Well, it was getting super late and our friends needed to go. We just left it up for like a month until the next time they came over and we were able to finish that particular quest. But that was impossible before this place. There's no, like, we would have had to clear it so that we could eat food. 
right? <laughs> but just like being able to leave it up for a month and not have to worry about it. And like, luckily, like our daughter knows not to like mess with it or wreck it while it's on the table. Can't say I would have been the same at that age. <laughs> I would have been like, ooh, back and playing with all the minis and things like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like kind of crazy because we had a similar situation when we moved in because we had that table, but we didn't have the second table yet, right? And right. so we would take, but we still knew we eventually wanted that table downstairs. So we went down, we would go downstairs to eat food <laughs> because I didn't want to move the table later. Moving, you know, a two bedroom apartment where it felt almost claustrophobic with the amount of stuff we had. And then in this house, the house was like mostly empty because we didn't have enough furniture to fill it. Going from two bedrooms to three bedrooms and two living rooms, you know, from one living room, like you just don't have the furniture to fill it. And like, that's like, was like an, an expense that we weren't fully expecting. Luckily we found some, like some friends of ours were moving and they were just trying to get rid of some old furniture they had. So we got those couches like upstairs and we'll replace it all eventually, but it's like filled up now, like a year and some months later. So we've gotten a ton of work done, which is why like for like a year, the impact on my gaming was I didn't get to game much because I was just too tired. I was always working on something in the house. I was, you know, replacing a door or that fell off, literally fell off its hinges or, you know, wiping down the walls or cleaning something or fixing something or working towards like replacing, getting, paying uh, someone to, to replace the water heater. Or there's just like all these like pieces that just took up so much time for us to feel comfortable. And now that like, particularly this room, which I spent like six months, you know, I did the stud work. I did the drywall. I did the painting. I did, you know, I did like, I tore down what was here and had carpet installed and electricity run to this room. Getting all that done took about six months and a bunch of money. But now that it's here and now like we're at this point, now suddenly I can sit down and play Civ 6 for four hours without you know having to worry quite as much it's an awesome feeling when you finish it's a little stressful going through it but yeah. after we're done it's it feels awesome it's it's super rewarding it absolutely it's the, is it's more like the year-long hit of like you just beat a hard video game dopamine hit <laughs> well it's also it's also interesting too because it's taken like it still doesn't feel quite how it's like i've never lived like the longest i've lived somewhere since high school like as an adult, the longest I've lived anywhere, I think, was three years. Otherwise, I was moving almost every year for like 10 years straight because rent would increase. We couldn't afford it, so we'd have to move. And so we were just yeah. like moving constantly. A couple of times we had to move twice in one year because, you know, we some difficulty and had to move in with a friend and then were there for six months while I found a new job. And then once that got taken care of, we got an apartment so that twice in a year we would move or we originally moved in with my mom but due to some health issues and things like that we real we realized this isn't going to work so we found a place near my mom's so that we could still help her with things but not have to you know we could still go home at the end of the day and not have to like invade her space quite as much or have her invade our space quite as much as moms sometimes do but of course you know it's just exhausting and so it was like for like a long time it like it didn't feel any different but now that we've been here for like a year and i like i've built a room in it and like i own a ladder <laughs> <Are> <laughs> i all... don't own a ladder yet i probably should 
it was like a roof is really steep. The ladder was my housewarming gift from my dad so that I oh. could get up on the roof and clean out the gutters, which needed to happen like the first day we moved in. So like, <laughs> like there were like trees growing out of the gutters, like plants mm. were plant, like they had a garden in the gutters. That's how full they were. And they hadn't cleaned them in a long time. Got lucky enough to not, uh, not have to do gutter work yet. It's a big yet, though. One side of the house has a bunch of trees that drops a bunch of pine needles on it. So that side gets pretty bad, but every, everything else is, isn't too bad. But leaves still get blown off of nearby trees and neighbor yards and one in our yard. So there's still plenty in there at the end of the season. But, you know, it's it's wild to think that now I have this, like, comfortable space that I've created to do what I want with. You know, I can close the door in this room and just, like, hammer away at some freelance work. I can sit here and do a live stream with my daughter in a space that we created designed to do that. And the immense privilege that I feel being able to do that is like, I can't really compare it to much else. Like, I don't know if previous generations have felt this way about home ownership because I don't know how difficult previous generations had it to own a home. Like, particularly boomers had it quite a bit easier people got bought how people bought houses on minimum wage like in their generations yeah if i could have bought a house on minimum wage i'd have bought a house forever a fucking go right like that's like that's like the thing is but we the amount how lucky we got to get this house when we did like we got it right when the interest rates were hitting like an all-time low but right before the market exploded and houses were selling for 50 to 100k over asking price without inspection like if we had waited even 3 to 6 months to start looking at a house we would not have been competitive enough enough to get a house that we actually liked because we, uh, we just didn't have the money to do that. Yeah, we ended up getting into the market like as they were going down, so we didn't get like the lowest peak. So we our interest stuff isn't bad by no means. But it's not, you know, a fucking 2.0 interest rate, which they had for some people, which was asinine to me. Right. But you're right. Yeah, it's just we, the two of us both have lucked out in a great market time. Yeah. Um, and Especially it, because in the future for our housing situations is whatever we've put into them and we bought them on a lower interest rate, theoretically, either one of us could sell our houses for more than we've invested into it, too. For sure. Like, already, I think I could probably get 25 to 50K return on investment if we just sold it right now. Because our, our realtor on the final walkthrough was like, if they had just waited a month and cleaned this house first, they probably could have asked for another 10K. So we were already, like, just cleaning the house added value to it because it just, like... When we toured it the first day, like, it was just gross. It smelled bad. There was, like, a giant pile of dirty dishes in the sink. Like, <laughs> the win like there was hardly any light coming in through the dirty windows. The light fixtures weren't, in like, you couldn't see very well inside the house. Like, they didn't do, like, I felt bad for the realtor trying to sell this house. But it was, like, one of those things where Sam and I were, like, looked at each other and like, well, what if it was clean? Would we want, like ignore the mess we can clean a mess if this house passes an, an inspection do we want would we want to live here and the answer was yes because compared to other houses in the same like price range this was in the best location it had the most space and more more what we were looking for and it didn't have any like it didn't like the basement didn't have any water damage concerns it didn't 
there wasn't any like real problems with it that we could we could observe without an inspection and then we got the inspection and we were able to negotiate like a a, a new furnace installed yeah, before we moved one. in and particularly in minnesota <laughs> <laughs> but so it's just like we just feel super fortunate that the timing worked out for us to be able to get this house and like the advice that i've seen in like personal finance on reddit was like if for your first home if you don't have a ton to work with buy the worst house you can afford or no buy the worst house in the nicest neighborhood you can afford yeah, that's not bad advice. <laughs> and we, we didn't know that advice when we bought this house, but it was definitely like a one of the worst houses in the neighborhood based off of its current condition in a fantastic neighborhood. We are within walking distance of like of down historic downtown, like shopping center, like Main Street. We are within walking distance of like a river trail that goes along the river that flows through the area. We are a block away from a park and a like a pool, like aquatic center with like water slides and diving boards and things like that. We are down the road from a shopping mall with like a GameStop and a Best Buy and a, a like Target and things like that. Like it's a fantastic area to have a house in. And the other houses we were looking at were like right off of super busy highways or were super small, well, not highways, but roads, which would have been a pain to like, you know, if we need to leave and go somewhere. <laughs> They were further away from the amenities that we wanted. The square footage of the houses was smaller. They were in generally nicer condition, but we just didn't feel excited about them like we did this house. After all the time invested, it was just good. But it, after f experiencing all this, it makes me so fr even more frustrated that it's so difficult for other people to get into the situation and like to become homeowners, right? I want other people to be able to experience this because it, it is rewarding. And I hope that with other initiatives like first first homeowner, because we, we ended up qualifying for a grant that helped us with a down payment because we just didn't like we could afford rent every month, but we couldn't save enough money consistently to make a down payment. Right. right. And so we qualified for a grant for first time homeowners that gave us our, our down payment. If we sell it within five years, we suddenly owe that money because they're like we're we're funding your home not your house flipping business kind of thing so they want to like to help make sure that it goes towards people who actually are buying a house or a home that's what it's for but with the market right now it's impossible for someone on the lower end of the income spectrum to buy anything yeah it's crazy like um if it were just me or toast working like we wouldn't be able to support any of it like at all yeah What's wild is the way we have things set up is my wife, they are a teacher and they pay, that income pays all of our bills. And I don't know if you've heard, but teachers don't get paid a ton of money compared to their education level. And so we've just been like pretty frugal. Like we don't go on like crazy vacations or anything, but we, you know, we live comfortably on a single income and then my freelance income supplements that and helps us fix the house and stuff. I take care of a lot of the things with our kid and I am the primary like person who keeps the house and cooks most of the meals and things like that. But we got a pretty good thing going, but we definitely are going to need that other income if we want to make headway on like things like student loans or credit card debt. But it's one of those things where like you go to the bank because they're concerned or, or like, what's the risk the bank is going to take? And it's like, well, we've been paying about the same in rent for the last eight years. That, wouldn't that consistent rental history be proof of reliable income over that timeline to be able to pay a mortgage of the same amount? 
a lot of people know the way the system is set up. It just right. is like, no. Nah. And so that's just like, but you would think that would be some sort of sign of reliability, right? But your rental history only helps you rent other things. It doesn't help you actually improve your situation if you decide to settle down. You got to have that down payment. You got to have, you know, X amount of income. It doesn't matter if you can afford the exact same amount in a mortgage or not. The irony is, is the bank's like, well, the bank is taking a risk. And I'm like, what risk? If we don't pay our mortgage, you take the house. And And then you sell it for more than you took it for. Right. And we don't, it's not like we get the money back that we paid towards the mortgage. You absorb that money that we paid into the house and then you sell the house. Granted, I've heard that banks are really bad at selling houses. Like they, they're, they're fantastically bad at selling houses. They, they, they just like hang on to it and it just sits there and goes decrepit. And then they sell it like 10 years later as like a foreclosure. Like it's, it's wild to me how bad banks are at selling houses. Maybe that's the risk that they're taking because they don't want to have to manage a property. I don't know. It's we got super lucky and I hope that things change to make it more affordable for for people to be able to experience the same thing because it it literally changed made our lives better having a house. We yeah, have it really has. Apartment rental apartments and rentals were perfect when, you know, we were in college. We didn't really know where we might end up later in life, but you know, getting into our 30s and decide making a choice to decide to live in this area Having a house is perfect and so much, so many houses are being bought up and just being rented out at absurd prices. And it's just like to rent this house, like if someone bought this house and renovated it or whatever, and then uh, rented it out, it would probably be more than what our mortgage is. It'd probably be like 1800 to $2,500 a month, which is just like location. Yeah, for sure. Which is way higher than anyone should ever have to pay for a rent. If they can afford that much in rent. They can afford a house and they would just buy a house. Bonkers, man. So yeah. aside from all that, I have a question for you too. Cause yeah, you, yeah. you built your whole space. Yes. Basically as a big permanent fixture. So we have our, we have our permanent spaces now in our houses that we can do whatever we want with. We can change it. Like you knock down a whole wall to build your room and set up wiring how you wanted it to be. I haven't done that. I have kind of, I made a modular space out of my weird L desk along the side <laughs> of my room. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've explained it to you, but for other people who don't know, it's I bought two $90 L desks that were the same thing. They were like a slightly different model. Cause I bought them at different times. So like the legs look different, but I don't really give a shit what the leg of this desk <laughs> looks like. It functions as a desk and my feet go there. Uh, so like, even though I've been in this house for almost three years now, or working on three years, because I think we just passed the two-year mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, like, I haven't done cable management. I'm, I just haven't decided exactly how I want stuff to stay, because I'm not going for everything to be a permanent fixture. But at the same time, I do want that. Like we were discussing earlier, is I want to get something to where I can mount my mixing board on the wall. Yeah. And then I can just kind of lean up and adjust my dials and I can see everything right there. The way I am, I can lean over and do that, but it would just be nice to get it up off the desk. I have a lot of wall and nothing going on over here. Right. So I want to make this like semi-permanent slash modular space that once I get tired of, I can rearrange, which we have the flexibility to do as homeowners. As like a rental, you wouldn't really be able to do that in some cases because some places are more restrictive about putting holes in wall or doing right. like some sort of major, like you can't add shelving that's like a permanent style, like drilled into the wall, like anchored up shelving. We can do that. Do you have other plans other than what you've done to your room to for later? So there's still like some things like the, I don't have like any trim along the windows and I want to put like some things in there to make it like an actual like windowsill that makes it 
look nicer. I don't have a finished ceiling, so I just kind of have exposed insulation above me. So there, there's definitely things that need to be improved. Like the closet here, it still has the old like wall paneling and like style, but it just wasn't a priority for me to, to redo that. But I think generally speaking, everything here is is finished like i won't be doing too many changes to this room in like the foreseeable future maybe way down the line i might do something with it uh but for now it's things like i really need to run the ethernet through the ceiling and down behind my desk so that it's not a cord going through our basement from the router <laughs> underneath the door it's just kind of one of those things where i was excited to move in and i wanted a break from having to do stuff for a while but uh the like the one of the bigger things is i finally mounted one of the big acoustic panels that i built behind my monitors uh, to catch the sound to reduce the echo in this room while I do need to eventually put a ceiling in, the exposed insulation actually does a pretty good job at isolating the sound in this room. <laughs> yeah, that's actually weirdly <laughs> convenient for that situation. <laughs> but I would say, like, one of the like long-term things is I want to take take half the closet and isolate it and put in a lot of like acoustic paneling or and, and foam and stuff and turn it into like a sound booth for like recording voiceover or lines for you know, podcasts or ads and things like that, or voiceover work for like daddy gamer episodes and things like that. So I just have this like recording like space, but I just haven't gotten that far yet into it. It's because I would yeah. need to get a, like another microphone and run it through and have some sort of interface in there that I can have set up, but you know, step inside this little like closet and record some lines quick without having to worry about like the fan noise from my computer interfering or someone stomping on the floor upstairs or whatever just general other noises or even like someone driving by with loudspeakers or or things like that so that's probably like a big future thing that i want to change is adding a sound booth to this space sweet no that's a that's an excellent idea i've been flirting with that idea for right here is my door to the hallway but beside it is a weird little closet i have but my bed runs long way so i can open the closet door and that's about it over there Okay. But there's nothing else in that corner. It's just like bed in that. That's honestly one of the spaces I had an I an idea for for my desk to live in. Yeah. But I decided I wanted my windows up here instead of behind me yeah. just to help with lighting and the fact that I can look out my window while I'm doing stuff. <laughs> um but aside from that, like I was talking about wanting permanent modular setup in here is I have all the wall and I have all these monitors and stuff sitting on the desk. I want yeah. more workspace. So, I mean, you can see I've got an arm's length out here and I have the same amount going this way from my corner. They're both built out equally as far. So I have a lot of space to work in and I want more and I got it all for 180 bucks. So not too bad. Yeah. Uh, I Frankenstein them together. So I just have a big space. I can hold stuff. Yeah, my desk I had custom built. A high schooler at church that wanted, like, had been doing some woodworking projects, so I approached, and he wanted more commission. So I approached him and be like, "If this is too big of a project, I understand, but I, my desk, my old IKEA desk, is starting to like kind of fall apart. But I love the style of it, and so I would like a more permanent, better version of it." And so he came over and we took dimensions and and things, but like the major, like we added a couple modifications, but it's generally the same. So it's like a big flat surface in front of me. I've got my floating mount for my monitors on the backside. So my, all that frees up a ton of space. The left side of it is held up by like a shelf. So I, instead of legs, I've got like the shelf extending off the end of it. So I've got like 
books and games and decorations and things there. But the main modification was I wanted like a platform for my computer to sit on. So it's up off the floor and I've got it off to the side so that it sits there and it's super stable. Like I can stand on it and it won't move. And then the other pieces I've got, this piece right here is completely separate, but I wanted a little extra space for me to put some things if I needed it, especially for like my, like my switch dock, or if I wanted to move my PS4 in here to stream from it, I've got a nice stable space for it to sit with some more drawers and more storage below. So that's kind of what I've got set up, but the, the floating arm, like monitor mount is huge for saving space on my desk because i can put things under my monitors easier and that's the thing that i want to do now that i've actually got monitors because i was rocking big tv slightly littler tv old 800 by 600 tv as my three monitors because i did two for a long time and i really enjoyed two but having the third one that doesn't really do anything but just show me a picture is really handy for referencing so i don't have anything over here right now it's just bare desktop but in a lot of situations i would put like I'm actively working on something, the stuff I need to tinker with in between it, and then my reference or like whatever I need to read over here. But that's something I want to add too to help make this somewhat modular for me is mount those to my wall so I can unmount them later because they don't take up a massive amount of room because they have that like mounting bracket and that's like it. But then be able to play with how my monitors are up, down, side to side, flipped. And I can just change that whenever. And if I don't like it on the wall, I can move it over here on this wall or whatever. I can just change up how I'm doing the whole whole deal. Yeah. One of the things that's kind of like nice about homeownership is you can kind of get away with some experimentation, right? So mm-hmm. like this room, like if you start looking at the details, clearly wasn't done by like a professional. But a professional was going to cost me an absurd amount of money. Like, I actually was going to try and contract out the drywall because I didn't want to do it. But after they... Drywall is so expensive because nobody fucking wants to put drywall up. It's such a pain in the ass because it breaks so so easy when you're installing it if you do it wrong. Right. Luckily, we didn't break... We didn't have any pieces break on us. In fact, I overbought. So I have a bunch of drywall in my garage, which will be handy later, like... I guess I could have returned it if I really wanted to, but it's not like a big deal if it just sits there and we use it at another time. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you ever want to do an addition, you've got a jumpstart. If you ever want to do like a more insulated, like outdoor shed, you have got a jumpstart. Yeah. Just got some like weird investment, like material. (laughs) Right. Or like, you know, in the future, if I wanted, if I decide to do a drywall ceiling, I already have it. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those things where like, I didn't know how to do stud work before I did this. I didn't know how to do drywall. I didn't do, know how to do mudding and taping. I didn't know how to do trim. I've had to like learn all these skills. Like, so I'm like doing research on YouTube, trying to find good, good videos that explain it well. It's somewhat frustrating because almost every video I looked at operated that you already had some working knowledge of construction. Or some like builder knowledge. And I'm like, wait, he's like, and then you just install the thing. And I'm like, how do you install the thing? I don't even know what the thing is. Like, and so that like finding the right tutorials, but then like my, both my father-in-law finished like the house they bought, what didn't have a finished basement. And he primarily did the finishing himself. So he knew how to do like a, a lot of this stuff. My dad also knew how to do a lot of this stuff. So they would come in at the beginning of each step and kind of show me how to do it and then i would take over and finish it and so like that's really cool right and like also things like having a garage i was able to like build these acoustic panels in a way like 
I had wanted acoustic panels for a long time to help control the acoustics where I recorded podcasts and stuff. But, you know, in a two bedroom apartment, I'm not going to construct these heavy acoustic panels in the, in the, the kitchen, right? <laughs> like you got to have the space for it. And so like, we've got a garage that's got like a, like a, a heater, like a gas heater in the corner. So if you're out there working in the winter, you turn it on 30 minutes later, it's kind of warm in there. And I was just like late at night at like two in the morning, I'm like screwing together this frame. Like, cause I, I can, I'm not going to worry about waking anybody up really because it's, separated like it's it's attached but it's so far away from the bedrooms that it's not going to wake anybody up and so just like so like the amount of benefits really stacked really quickly because i now had a space to make things i now had a space like the room to like experiment with and create and build my dream creator space like from scratch and i couldn't have done that at any other point in my life like even growing up right like even just like for like gaming, I just had like my bedroom, right? The ability right. to hook up the PlayStation 2 to the main TV in the living room was a rare occasion. It didn't happen very often. I had to keep it in my room. I had my room and that was it. And then as an adult, I had shared, like I never lived, never had a place to myself. So we always had to work together with roommates to have a space. My first apartment, no, my second apartment, there was three of us. And despite having a two bedroom, we all decided to share the bedroom. And then the second bedroom, actually, we just put all of our desks in there. And that was a dedicated like study workspace. And then we like the living room had had things. But it was just like, you know, how yeah, like we're all sleeping. It doesn't matter how many of us are in there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But now that this is our space, this is my room. I have full control over it. And, you know, I have a a pretty cool wife who allows me to just kind of like have a say in the overall aesthetic of pieces in the house. I, because I have a freelance business and because I have a vision for the room, it worked out that I was the one who had control over it. They weren't controlling. They had suggestions and thoughts, but ultimately it was up to me. And that's not true for everyone (laughs) where their spouse might be like, well, I had an idea for this room. Oh, you know, it's going to be my crafting or sewing room or whatever. But we've been working towards giving me an office for a long time. Yeah, my my wife is really really chill about like what we're doing. Like she has she has an idea for like living dining kitchen. She's like outside of that, I don't really care. Yeah, I basically um, have this room and the downstairs living room. So the downstairs living room surrounding the TV is all of my Star Wars stuff. So I've got like movie posters and lightsabers, and then I've got like a collection of Star Wars helmets on a shelf that I installed above the TV. So I've got like Darth Vader, Boba Fett, like Luke Skywalker's pilot helmet and like a clone trooper helmet. And then like some Star Wars Lego sets up on this big shelf above the TV. Like it's all Star Wars themed. I've got like different statues and pop figures from Star Wars like populating the space and uh like you walk downstairs and you're like oh joe definitely <laughs> was in charge of this area <laughs> super funny yeah so and like where you're talking about like that extra income like between the two of us we can maintain the house we can save up some money uh and have some extra income left over to like do stuff with i mean there's lots of weird unexpected stuff that we're like keeping a huge bubble of like saving for yeah or like out of our like weekly budget like just kind of like saved like this giant extra bubble because it's constantly changing like what we're paying for like utilities and stuff like varies wildly but um having that to put into more stuff like since we 
we got in the house and everything got settled. Like uh, you were talking about rent rising. So where we were renting an apartment, it was 800 a month when we first got there. And by the time we left, it was almost nine. It was turning 950. That's why we left. Yeah. So for the house, our mortgage went up by like an extra 150 bucks. So we're no, sorry. It's, it's at like 1200 bucks. Roughly it goes up and down year to year yeah. depending on like taxes and stuff. Cause all that gets rolled into my mortgage. And yeah. it just changes its like yearly amount. But um it's been it's definitely been a godsend for like all the cool like little stuff we can work on. Once I get over the I have the weird anxiety of what if I need this money for something else? Maybe I shouldn't spend it. I, I've been arguing with myself over that forever because growing up my my grandparents and like my parents didn't spend money on anything. Like unless it was vehicles, because my dad's very bad with vehicles and he's been through like two dozen. <laughs> that um, sounds like us. We have bad uh, luck with cars. He's just bad with cars. Oh. He doesn't have bad luck. He just destroys them. <laughs> um, Whoops. And my grandparents are just frugal. They're old coal right. miner, old doctor, or old nurse. So they just, they didn't do anything else other than invest in their, uh... Well, like, our, like, at our age, our grandparents were the era where they, like, saved the bacon grease, right? Because yeah. you could use it for other things. Like, definitely yeah, a different mindset. For sure. And in fairness... I saved my bacon grease, but that's because shit tastes awesome when it's cooked in saved bacon. Grease. I mean, absolutely, not, but not the, for the, its extra utility and yeah, need of use. Yeah, but they, because I really enjoy using it in cooking. Yeah, when they, when they, when you grow up and like the Great Depression is a significant part of your life, you learn how to be frugal and use things beyond things and like that's kind of an, a mindset that i try to keep so like we have pieces like oh how can we use this or how can we maybe save some money so like you know our dryer the electrical panel that it was or like the outlet that it was plugged to like almost burst into flames and so like i we weren't able to fix it right away so i built using some scraps of wood i built like a hanging rack to dry our clothes on sweet and then had like a like another line going through so we like for like a month and a half we air dried our clothes in the laundry room and we uh just like until we got it fixed now the dryer's fixed and so that's a godsend but it was like you know how can we save money here and there and like things like adding a little bit more insulation around the door to the garage keeps the the cold from like leaching in or putting up these like 3m like plastic sheets over windows helps insulate the windows better and that helps us save on heat and and like you know taking all of our yard clippings and stuff and throwing them in like i built like a like a little thing out of like old pallets because our house came with a shed full of pallets and so i like stacked a bunch of them together made it easy to remove one side of it and threw all of our yard clippings in there and now we have like a compost pile that's like contained in the yard and so just like things that we can do to help like reduce costs so like hopefully next year we don't have to buy fertilizer when i attempt a garden again because that failed miserably last year ah uh, yeah this past year is the only time we've had great luck with growing and it kind of went way beyond what we were prepared for but first year nothing second year meh this year gourds but isn't it gourds. wild that it's a privilege to be able to grow food yeah, which is fucking weird and really, really shouldn't be a privilege, should just be something we can do. Right. It's just like, like, I know people in apartments that do it, they have like small like herb gardens or like even like a couple of tomato plants out on like a balcony or whatever. But like being in a position in my life where growing some fresh food is like a part of being a homeowner, like if you choose to do that and pursue that is like, like I said, once you start like breaking down all the things we can do now, like the benefits just domino effect 
that just like bam 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 now we can do this now we can do this now that we have a garage i can and and have some tools i have the ability to make a compost pile like in like enclosure and you know even like the luxury of having like a fire pit so we can go and make some hot dogs and s'mores during like a nice summer night and just like spend some time relaxing it's just so huge it is now I will say buying a house, the most stressful thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like uh, ugh, yeah. the process of buying this house was so stressful. Like I've never been more like stressed in my life. Buying a house, zero out of 10 would not recommend owning a house like eight or nine out of 10 would recommend. But unfortunately you have <laughs> to go through buying a house typically to own a house unless you inherit one or something. But particularly in our income bracket, buying a house was so stressful because it was one of those things where like, say we pay after paying for the inspection, we didn't have much money left. And if they declined our offer or if something happened, we were out, we couldn't buy it. We couldn't pursue a different house. And so we were like pretty locked in because we also then didn't have the money for a down payment or like a, a, a deposit on another apartment. So we couldn't, like we were really like it was a huge risk gamble for us and then like i was telling i was like i won't believe we've actually purchased this house until we've signed the documentation and they hand us the keys because i've heard horror stories of people like deals falling through the day of sale yeah and and things like that but yeah buying a house exceptionally stressful particularly if it's like going to be your home right like you're invested you want to live there that's like, that's going to be your home. If I was buying a house for a rental, I'd be like, eh, whatever. I'll just pick up the next one. Right. You know, figure it out later. But when it's your house, your in- emotional investment and the priority on that co- be happening is so much higher. Yeah, for sure. Like not, not a process I want to go through again. <laughs> and then our, like our daughter is like, when are we moving? And I'm like, hopefully not for a while because you know, our daughter's seven and has moved almost every year her entire life. <laughs> so, like, this is going to be the lo- hopefully the longest she lived. Like, we're stable now. And the other things that we can, like, other things that we want to do in our life, we can maybe start pursuing because we have a strong heart for maybe adopting a child later. But it's like, we're not going to adopt a child until we own a house. Like, I'm not going to put, like, I'm not going to adopt a kid and be like, all right, let's move every year. Like... <laughs> That's not good stability <laughs> for them. You know, funny that I'll put my own kid through it, but <laughs> like, I figure if I mean, I'm adopting someone, they've already been through enough. And I mean, that's a matter of circumstance. You know, you didn't have a house then to stay right. in one spot. Becoming a homeowner, what do you feel about your skill set coming into it? Because you've, you've mentioned that you did not have any of the construction like skill set for like the weird minor like DIY home fixie. I, I'm pretty self-motivated. I'm a good self-starter and I'm a good learner, particularly with hands-on skills. So like I've done a decent amount of DIY myself, like fixing things around apartments or like other, like going over and helping other people with projects. Like I had technically done drywall before, but basically all I did was carry the panels over and hold them up on the wall while someone else did the screws. But like, you know, growing up, seeing my dad always like fix things and whatnot, I wasn't super confident in my skill set and my ability to do things and create, do the things that I needed to do. But I knew I knew people who could. And so like, I knew I could call and ask questions. I knew that they would be willing to come over and show me. And like, all of that stuff is super like, fortunate right having parents and in-laws who have done this stuff before 
as homeowners is weirdly a privilege. And that's not true for everyone. There are people that for the last three or four generations have only ever rented and they don't have parents that know how to, so if they find themselves owning a home, who do they turn to? Who do they call for that? Like community support, that familial support. Hopefully you're a part of a community that someone knows that you can call and they can come and help and show you how to do these things because not every piece of homeownership is intuitive. No, not at all. Like, unless someone had told me, I wouldn't have known that I should get the super cheap furnace filters and just change them out once a month instead of buying more expensive, thicker ones because they constri- the, the thicker ones constrict airflow. While they last longer, they constrict airflow and your furnace is, isn't as efficient. Well, that's not necessarily intuitive, right? Like, oh, I want a good air filter. I'm going to buy a more expensive air filter and put one in. But everyone I've talked to is like, no, you, you want to buy the, the cheapest ones you can find and swap them out more frequently. It extends the life of your furnace and makes your furnace more efficient because it allows for greater airflow. I wouldn't have known that, you know? Nah. And so, or like how, you know, what type of water heater do I buy? What gauge wiring do I have installed in this room? You know, what's the correct mounting bracket for this super heavy acoustic panel? Apparently for me, it's just drill long screws into each stud and to into the frame of the of the acoustic panel and then just hang it why hang it with thick wire because the <laughs> the like brackets I had purchased were barely wide enough wider than the studs and I'm like I'm not gonna find the stud on this like wide thing I'm gonna miss it so I just did it a different way and it it works it's still hanging and it's been like two weeks so it should be fine if it's gonna fall it probably would have fallen sooner than later but yeah it's just you know being willing to look up stuff ask questions ask for help is huge for a first time homeowner, I think. But again, I grew up around people who tried to make things last and fix things rather than just replace them. And that's just not the case for everybody. If you have the money to just replace it, a lot of people just replace it. Yeah. My skill set coming in is I, I built houses growing up with my dad because that's his primary occupation. So like for lots of things, like I've I've at least dabbled in plumbing and electricity. Yeah. My dad, my uh, dad was a meat cutter, so I know my meat, and I know how to grill <laughs> real good. And also in like stage for like theater and acting, like I did lots of stage construction yeah. because I had the background in carpentry and stuff that translated really well into that. And all of that kind of package is translated well into owning a home for me. And of course, my grandparents gardened a lot. So as far as like gardening in my backyard and stuff, I've got like a lot of transfer over skills that have really helped. But weirdly enough, like. All of those are really good skill sets, but from gaming for years and years has been probably my most valuable skill set I've ever had, like even outside of home ownership, because rather than teaching, having taught and learned how to do like a, a specific thing, it's really helped with lots and lots of weird skills. Like my hand eye coordination is superb for being able to do stuff from being able to handle controllers and keyboard and mouse for years and years. Yeah. So when I pick up tools or I start to mess with stuff, other than just having spent years in messing with these weird tech things and just kind of picking it up and figuring out how to be intuitive with it, and then game to game being different and having to refigure out the same problem. Yeah. It's sharpened problem solving skills. It's sharpened critical thinking. I can basically pick up any piece of anything and just kind of immediately know what to do with it in general. Even right. if I'm like, I don't really know if I should do this, this is, this will do something. Yeah. It's given me this really, really firm and strong 
foundational skill that kind of grows into everything else. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like when I'm, I, I can be confident that when I'm going to do something, I'm not going to like clumsily like screw it up somehow because I my hands tend to do what I tell them to, right? And I have the coordinations. I have a steady hand, which has been useful for things like building my PC. Installing the CPU can sometimes be hazardous or like difficult or what or uh, overwhelming, but a steady hand goes a long way in just setting it in. Yeah. But uh, I think that's pretty much it for our time today. The discussion went a little bit longer than I thought it would. Yeah, it really, it really did. But we got kind of into it for a right. while. Yeah, it's just like if you find yourself in an opportunity to be a homeowner, best of luck to you. If you're listening to this and have questions because you're not sure about how to do something, I'm sure both Zach and I are more than willing to help out if you hit us up on the Discord or have yeah, comments. Absolutely. If you want to see the progress, uh, like the, what the room looked like that I'm in before, I think I've got that posted on a couple of different places. So I'd be more than happy to share more of that journey. I might even write something up about what the process was like because there was a lot, lot of interesting kind of like things that went into it that we didn't get to dig into today. But thank you so much for listening and watching. If you manage to tune in live, you know, there, there's a whole side of production and geekiness and gaming that doesn't get talked about much. And I think this is one of those things, right? The behind the scenes of building a space to play games in and create content and stream in and things like that. It's a lot of work. It it's is. Not, it is. And, and it's, and sometimes even just finding the right shelf or putting it in the right spot takes more time than you initially think it's it you know oh you just throw up some pictures on the wall and now you have a, a place like well when you start out with a room that's disgusting you have to rebuild the room if you start with a room that doesn't have electricity you have to install electricity into that room and maybe maybe when you watch a streamer or a youtube production you'll you might notice that they put a lot of time into creating a set or creating a space for them to work in because it's their space and it's worth it, and they can. That said, you know, don't let that discourage you from creating or doing things from an apartment, because I did it for years. Creating something is always better than creating nothing, in my opinion. And if you wait until your circumstances are perfect to create something, you'll never create something. Because I've shot videos on old cameras. I have shot videos in apartments. I have shot videos with old microphones. If I waited until I had this space... I wouldn't have probably made this space because I wouldn't have had a reason to make it. But in the, pro in the process of because I'm actively creating, I want to improve what I create. And I'm, so I'm driven to do things like build a room because I want to make what I create better. But yeah, if all you've got is an iPhone, surprisingly enough, iPhone's got pretty good cameras to record stuff on. They really do. There's some like cheap tools out there to set up as a webcam for streaming if you've got the things, there are some quick things you can do. So I would encourage you that if your circumstances aren't ideal, still do something with it. And uh, yep. we'll take a look at it if you want. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've both been doing this sort of thing for a long time. Joe longer than I in some cases. And then I just have a lot of performance and tech background. So yep. and then Alex has his whole whole separate set of skills, too. Like we we got you. If you have questions. Just ask. 
yeah. anybody in the Discord's willing to help out too. Like Rakimdar in particular is very, very vocal about helping out with whatever's going on and bouncing ideas off of people. For sure. So thank you so much for listening and watching and engaging and everything else and supporting Forever Classic Games. Zach, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, there's not too many people I get to talk to about this who like understand it. So this is a really fun conversation. This was, I haven't had to have this, I haven't got this conversation till now either like we've talked a little bit here and there but not like just sat down and talked about it yeah all right well you guys know where to find us foreverclassicgames.com new website everything all of our socials are connected on there and so till next time be cool and play some games 